I want to, I guess, talk about the fear that is, uh, and it's inter interesting you just mentioned that, <laughs> that the fear that I think is gripping a lot of people's lives over this virus, you know, I, I sort of like to look at events that are going on and, and, and think, how does God view everything that's going on? How does God view the response of people? And what can we learn from what we've been through? And can we plan better? Can we do better later? You know, most of us know that we're going to die. We figured that out sooner or later, you know. <laughs> you know, when we're young, we don't think about death at all. We do, and that's why we do stupid things, things when we're young. That's why we take chances. That's why, you know, I, I just did not think, I thought, I guess, I was immortal uh, when I was a teenager. I never thought about death. I never thought of the danger as I would get on my little, it was a TS-185 Suzuki dirt bike. And the goal was to run it as fast as you can possibly run it through the woods and bounce off rocks and sticks. And of course, there was no cell phones. There was, and I would just take off and, and ride down the side of 220 and hit some of these trails a muddy fork or whatever road and, and then be in the middle of the mountains, deep into the mountains, just ripping through those trails. Never thought of dying, never thought of getting hurt. But as you get older, you know, you, you start to have maybe some health issues and, and you start thinking about it, you know, I'm going to die. But even at that, death is not something that you, you're able to handle it. You know you're going to die, but you, you're able to handle it. Uh, I want to read to you something that uh, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh talk radio. And uh, I want to, of course, Rush Limbaugh was talking about death. This is coming from a man that has stage four cancer. So when I, you know, someone has stage four cancer, I, I want to hear what they have to say about the subject of death. And uh, he says, I think some people aren't. That is, they're not able to block the fact that they're dying, they, they're, they're not, not able to get over it. Okay, they obsess on it. Some people aren't able to handle it. The wires have gotten crossed in their brains. Something is wrong. They've been educated in a foul way. I think a lot of people are un unable to put it out of their minds that they're going to die. I think they live with the fear most every day. I think they happen to be liberals I think it's one of the factors, in fact, that makes liberals liberals, is that they're unable to get past the idea and live a normal life without being governed by the idea they're going to die. Look at what liberals are made of. Everything about liberalism is what's going to kill us, what's going to kill you, and how not to be killed and how to avoid it. And these are the same people who at the same time don't want any religion. They don't want any God. They don't want any way of finding a way to deal with this reality that they're going to die. They don't want God in their life, okay? They don't want any way of finding out a way to deal with this reality. They want you, now get this, to join them in their perpetual never-ending fear over death. And so they concoct all these things they tell you are going to kill you, from oat bran to caffeine to too many eggs. You take your pick. Virtually everything in life that you do, particularly if you're an American, is going to kill you. 
I believe they can't put it out of their minds. So imagine if your brain didn't have the ability to turn this reality off. Imagine if your daily existence was totally absorbed with your own death and that everything around you could kill you. Then you might understand liberals. I, I thought that was fascinating, absolutely fascinating, coming from a man that has stage four cancer as he evaluates what's going on with this concept of not being able to get over the fact that we are going to die and living in fear of anything that may cause us, like a virus, to die. Um, Hebrews 2 and verse 15 says this, And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. Imagine being in bondage to the fear of death continuously. Now, I'm, going to call the, I'm not going to call these people liberals. I'm going to call them people who don't have a relationship with God. <laughs> you know, these are the same people that if you said, you do know that this virus has a 98.8% recovery rate, why don't you just trust God that, you know, if it's God's will that you die, then you'll die. But why don't you just put your faith in God? These are the same people who would say, get your silly religion out of here. I don't want anything to do with this Jesus thing or religion. These are the same people who are living in fear. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Fact checks. You know, I, I post stuff on Facebook. And every time, not every time, but it comes back. Well, you, you know, Facebook has decided that this, you, you know, the facts is not real here. Well, how about fact-checking this? Half of Americans are scared to death over a virus that if you catch it, there's a 98% recovery rate. Fact-check that, you know. Uh, I, I just get upset over the stuff that, you know, I, I think Facebook is uh, a pack of liberals anyway. So, you know, non-believing and non-believers or whatever you want to call them. But as you look at things like global warming or climate change. It's the fear of death that drives these people. You know, we've we got to do something. I mean, it's a legitimate fear that something is going to happen. You know, uh, virus. I'm going to die from this virus. Too much fat, too much sugar, too much animal flesh. Too, your carbon footprint is going to kill everybody off and, and just on and on and on. You know, I read about a, a, a process called cryonics a long time ago. It was a, it's a process where you have your body at death deep frozen in hopes that, that it can be revived, or they can bring it back to life later on when scientists get smart enough. But it's so expensive that they just, in many cases, they just freeze the head in hopes that they can attach that head, first of all, bring it back to life and attach it to a robotic body. And this is, we're talking about the fear and, of death and people's hopes that they have. This is their faith. No faith in God, but I have faith that they can attach this head to a robotic body. <laughs> Then I heard about a conspiracy theory, and, and that's, you know, I don't, you know, conspiracy theories. Okay, yeah, you know, there are all kinds of them. But that this virus was created by a bunch of elite billionaires 
who are deeply concerned that we are not going to be able to inhabit uh, the moon, populate the moon or Mars anytime soon, so we need to cut back on population in order to survive. Now, you know, conspiracy. But what I'm saying is it's driven by the fear of death. You know, we've got to do something. We're overpopulated. We've got to find another place to live. Like, on the, who would want to live on the moon anyway? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, beautiful view, man. I would love to see that, you know, if they are ever offer those, someone was working on that. Well, not a, but uh, just a shot on a spaceship where you could see that. Some guy was going to offer that where you, they fly you up there on a, I guess a rocket or something. I don't know. But I don't think it ever came to pass. But uh, anyway, Proverbs 28 and verse 1. Look at this. I mean, this verse, I think, applies to what we're going through today with this virus. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. It says, the wicked flees when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Notice that. The wicked flee when there's nothing pursuing you. You know, you got this virus. It's gonna, it's, it, there's nothing pursuing you. You're okay. You know. but, the, but wicked people run. They hide. They're scared half to death. They're hid out in their homes. And, you know, we don't want to be labeled as wicked people, do we? But, but the righteous, what does it say? The righteous are bold as a lion. And again, some of these people are the same ones that if you said, look, just trust God, they would, they would put down your religion and your faith in God. Now, I know what this obsession with fear of death is like. I really, because I experienced a couple years of what I call dark days. Uh, when I found out I had, you know, some things going wrong in my body and blood pressure and uh, the heart, uh, the uh, left bundle branch block, and then all these issues, you know, th that kept coming up. And uh, because for me, I'm claustrophobic, and all of a sudden I realize I'm trapped in a body that's not working right. <laughs> it's like it had worked perfectly <laughs> for 50 some years. All of a sudden, it's not working right. And it was claustrophobic feeling. And, and uh, I, but anyway, I remember telling Teresa, I said, I don't. I don't want to die. Yeah. Well, tell me something I don't know. You know, tell me. Who wants to? Okay. And she said, what's wrong with dying? And uh, <laughs> it was really a, a wake-up call, a slap in the face, but it was a good slap in the face. You know, what's wrong with dying? Who said that? Teresa. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I keep What's wrong with dying? You know? um, but you know, especially anyone that has a relationship with God, we need to be able to answer that question. What is what is so bad about dying and, and being able to handle that? And uh, and it's like a, a message I gave a long time ago. I, I said, you know, there's there's worse things than dying, or can be, and that it's called getting old. Uh, if you don't believe that, just visit an old folks' home. Just, just visit an old folks' home. And I, I never, I, I, I took, uh, it was my mother, we went to see my aunt, 
It was in an old folks' home. When I got out of there, and I, I remember telling Teresa this, I said, Teresa, I'm going to live my life totally different from now on. I said, I am, I'm going to live my life to the full because there's something worse than, getting, than dying. <laughs> it was right there in that home. And um, now I know we all want to die gracefully, and I pray. That, that's my prayer for myself and for you, you, all of us that are getting older, that we can die gracefully. And by, you know, like the, I like the idea of getting in my, in my recliner and just going to sleep or dying in your sleep. May God give us the grace to die gracefully. And, and, and uh, we all hope that's true. But, uh, you know, Ronnie's mother one time said, you better enjoy life while you can because you're not going to enjoy it when, when you're old. Uh, that's what she said. She was in a lot of pain, okay? And that's what she told me. You know, if you're afraid to live, because you might die, you're already dead. <laughs> and like I said, there's, there's worse things than, than just than dying. And I began to pick up on this. It was in my 50s. I started getting a little fear of riding my motorcycle. Now, I've ridden motorcycles since I was 12 years old. And I noticed... What's this fear? What's, what's this, you know, something might run out in front of you, a deer or a car. And I didn't like the fear. And uh, I think, I think uh, every time you surrender to those fears, it's like feeding a monster inside of you that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there's legitimate fears. If you've got high blood pressure and you're older and you're dizzy, don't climb a ladder, okay? They're, they're, but if your body is basically functioning, I think every time we surrender to those fears, we feed this, and it gets worse and worse. I'm challenging you. I'm to challenge you to conquer your fears. You know, for me, okay, I'm, I'm going to go out and ride that motorcycle 100 miles an hour down the road. Con do the opposite. Okay, do the opposite. Take off on it and, and do something. And I actually found myself, I, I did this. I, I, I got my, my bike, my 250, it's an on off-road bike, and I went down a trail, and it was a hill, steep hill. Hadn't been down it in five years. So I had no problem going down hills. You know that, don't you? you know, just let it roll off the hill. And I turned around, I looked, and I thought, what in the world? Am I crazy? And uh, I said, this is ridiculous. This, this fear is absolutely ridiculous. I, I gassed it and wound it out. Went up that hill, no problem. And I tell you, I felt good. I felt like a man again. You know? I was feeling like a wimp. You know? and it's just, all you got to do is challenge those fears and do the opposite. Do, you know, if, it, if it's, that scares you, well, well, do something different to challenge those fears. Um, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 9 says, it says, uh, live joyfully with your wife whom you love all the days of your life, all the vanity which he has given thee under the sun, all the days of your vanity, for this is your portion in life and in your vanity which you take under the sun. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave where you are going. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might without the fear. You know, if you fall off the horse, get back on it. <laughs> Isn't that right, Angela? <laughs> now, if you've broken some bones, you might want to recover, recover from that first. But I tell you, it just, I picked up on that just yielding to those fears every time 
I realized I was feeding something inside of me that was not good. Never take counsel of your fears. Guess who said that? It's not in the Bible, by the way. Stonewall Jackson. Never take counsel of your fears. Of course, he got killed, didn't he? He was Lee's right-hand man and got killed in the he civil... Oh, did he? Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Man. But that, that's powerful advice, you know. Don't take counsel of your fears. Uh, Job 3 and verse 25 says, For that which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is coming to me. Man, you think about what people dwell on. That which I greatly feared has come upon me. And you wonder if feeding that fear, if it doesn't bring things upon you, if you keep feeding it. Now I know that it, it, was, it was said that, you know, what, what we did as a nation, shutting the nation down, you know, it's not sustainable. You can't keep that up. You can't just shut a nation down over a virus that has a 98% recovery rate. And I think it was, I forget who said that, maybe Rush Limbaugh said this, said this will go down in history as the most overreactive thing we've ever done in the entire history of America. Just overreacting. And you know, a lot of people, I think I know a lot of people who are overreactive to everything. Everything that comes there, they're just over, overreactive. Uh, that's how they live their life. But it's not sustainable shutting a nation down. And uh, now we've been blessed, you know, Ronnie, uh, with our business. It's, it's really stayed the same. It seems like since this virus started, everybody goes to Lowe's. It's, a, it's incredible. I mean, you talk, there is no social distancing in Lowe's. I can guarantee you that. I mean, it's, it's packed out, the whole parking lot. And uh, hang out at Lowe's, I guess. That's what people are doing. I don't know. But I think, uh, you know, the economy not being sustainable, not, not being able to continue this, you know, do we want our children to grow up in another Great Depression? Because if, if we keep this up, that's what you will have. I saw something on Facebook. I love this. It said, how many children should starve, should starve in order to make you feel safe? How many families must go bankrupt in order to make you feel safe? How many business owners should lose everything they work for in order to make you feel safe? How many people have to lose their jobs, their health insurance, their life savings to make you feel safe? Man, that, it was powerful. Powerful. And, you know, if we are catering to non-Christians who don't even believe in God and falling into the same boat, that's, that's never good. Um, when we behave just like them. You know, I think uh, the story, I was thinking about the story of Nehemiah building the wall and how that all of these naysayers came to Nehemiah and said, you know, you, you can't do that. You should fear. And they continued to build the wall, you know, with a, with a weapon in one hand and their tool in the other hand. And uh, then it was, I forget, some guy came to Nehemiah. He was sent. He said, no, you, 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 need, to be in, you, mean, you need to be living in fear. Let's go hide out in the temple. You know, there's a virus out there. Let's go. <laughs> of course, we, we couldn't even hide out in the temple, could we? Uh, <laughs> But uh, 
You know, I just think about, you know, if God was building a wall today, he'd have to build it himself. Because, you know, it just, who would he get? Uh, because of how fear grips people's lives. I was talking to Kelly Pearson. He said, you know, this is, he said, that now that I see what this is all about, he said, I will never, ever, this is what he said, shut down church again. He said, they're going to have to haul me off to jail next time. I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Quite a conviction. And uh, anyway, comfort zone, safety zone, living in the comfort zone, living in our safety zone. And someone brought this up also, that we should have a willingness to sacrifice. That, that you know, if it means some people have to die... You know, for the sake of our children, for the sake that they grow up in a society where they can have a shot at making a living and having, you know, where, where the economy doesn't collapse, that we should be willing to sacrifice for them, for the younger generation. I thought, well, that, that's a powerful concept. You know, most, I think a lot, a lot of, it's just so self-centered. What's going to happen to me? Actually, I thought about that recovery rate, 98.6% or 8% recovery rate from this virus. There's probably a greater chance of me getting killed riding my motorcycle. And if you think about it, you know, there's probably a greater chance of you getting hit by an asteroid or something like fall out of the sky or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I got to thinking, I thought, you know, I defy this virus. <laughs> what, what? You know, we have two choices. We can live in fear or we can say, you know, I, I'm just not worried about this. I, I think of Genesis 9 and verse 2. It says, maybe this, I shouldn't apply this, but it says, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moves upon the earth. And upon all fish of the sea, and into your hands they, they are delivered. You know, maybe this applies to viruses also. <laughs> the, the dread, that virus has a dread of coming my way. Uh, I have never thought that it was actually God's will that I, that I, I sure don't believe it's God's will that I die from it. And probably not, I don't even believe it's God's will that I catch this thing. But, you know. I just think of uh, two choices a Christian can live under, you know, wake up in fear or, or just say, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned about this. This doesn't apply to me. I defy this thing. And I, you know, it, it, Christ is going to keep me safe from this. What this virus has revealed is the spiritual temperature of our people. And maybe we should say we're on life support uh, because of fear. Because of fear. Revelation 21 and verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you know, I, I look at these and I, and I think, well, I'm not a, I'm, I don't murder people and I'm, I'm not a whoremonger and I'm not a liar and I'm not. But did you notice the first one? The fearful are going to have their part in the lake of fire. 
Free trip to the lake, as Sandy says. You know, <laughs> fearful people. It's, uh, and I think sometimes we forget. Now, you wonder, how do we forget this? I sometimes think we forget that we have the Spirit of God or the attributes of the Spirit of God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Take a look at that. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. You know, you wake up and you think, okay, this is what I have. The indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. And 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, never take counsel of your fears. What do we fear? How much do we fear death? How much do we fear a virus that has a 98% recovery rate? Now, I know that a lot of this is sort of after the fact, what I'm talking about today. But I think we have been sort of primed for the next virus. And, and don't, the next virus is coming. Probably around election time, near the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's coming again. And uh, the dark side knows how knows better, and, and knowledge is always precious, and knowledge is even precious, of course, to the dark side. The dark side now knows, okay, how to control us. And it's very simple. I mean, you think, how simple is it? The fear of death. I mean, that's, that's always been a goodie. <laughs> I can control, we can control them just through the fear of death. And... Um, I think Christians should rise above this. That is the fear of death. <clears throat> I want to conclude with Matthew 8 and verse 24. Matthew 8 and verse 24. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. That is, Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him and saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. You know, what would have happened if the disciples would have just said, You know, yeah, I see this storm, it's bad. I see the water coming up, but we're just going to trust God. We're, gonna, we're just going to weather this thing out. Which is what God wanted anyway. To have the faith to go through the thing they're going through. Well, it, it would have been, they would have been safe. You know, instead of overreacting. Now, what did they do? They overreacted. Lord, save us. You know, and that's the thing. We always want immediate, you know, right now. Save us. Storms of life exist to teach us lessons. You know, I told you that I spent a couple years sort of dark days and worried about my health and and uh, you know I got on you know, blood pressure medicine which was like lisinopril which is made from the venom of a poisonous snake in Brazil when that snake bites its its prey it, its blood pressure goes to zero that's how, and I don't know how they take that and turn it into blood pressure but about a month after I started taking that my heart started racing now maybe it, I'm, maybe I'm just making this. I don't know if there was a connection there, but 
So then my heart is racing at night and racing, and so I got on beta blockers. And uh, I actually, back then, you know, I checked into operations you could do where they can go in there and burn certain areas of your heart and cause that heart to beat. Yeah. And actually, I looked into that. And so here I am two years later, and I found this some kind of natural stuff I'm taking. I'm not taking the lisinopril. I'm not taking the beta blockers, and everything seems to be fine. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, amen. And I think, well, what if I'd have just compulsively jumped the gun, you know, overreacted? I probably killed myself, you know, <laughs> shocking your, burning your heart with stuff, and which, which, uh, you know, I don't know. I just think sometimes we overreact. Storms of life are there to teach us lessons. Um, compulsively trying to fix the problem immediately, we're good at that. You know, shut, whether we're talking about shutting down a nation's economy, whether we're talking about the disciples that said, Lord, save us. Why are you fearful, O oh, you a little faith? The storms of life exist to teach us lessons. So next time, and there will be a next time. Let's understand that God has this and let's be ready for the next time something like this occurs again. Because it will occur again. And I think for the most part, as, as I started out with that story that, that, that Rush Limbaugh said, there's a lot of people out there who just, probably half the popula population today don't even believe in God. I don't know what the statistics are now. I need to check up on that. But... A relationship with God is getting less and less. Young people don't really care about it. And, and it's just, is it? But then you have the half that does believe in God. But even those people, it can be extremely superficial. And uh, that is one's religion. So maybe God looks at this and says, well, we have a lot of cowards uh, <laughs> with with what has been revealed. And, and we need to get over, our, we need to trust God, get over our fear of death, and be ready for the next, next time and handle it hopefully better. All right.